Vincent Werbeck's Derby. Thank you. Thanks. Hello, everyone. So I um, love a box set. My favourite box set is Sex in the City. And it's a, it's, um, a life that I'm never actually going to live. So it's really nice that I get to enjoy that through the TV. And for those of you who don't know, Sex and the City um, is the story of four independent single women living life in Manhattan. Um, they have great apartments and great careers, and they're looking for love and following fashion. And um, whenever you meet someone who is also a Sex and the City fan, they inevitably ask you, who's your favourite character? And I've never had an answer for that. So I thought, well, I keep getting asked. I'm going to have to seriously consider who my favourite character is. And controversially, it is Samantha. Now, Samantha um, is someone who doesn't take herself too seriously. She is outrageously confident. She's blunt to the point of offence. She has a bit of a potty mouth. And um, her morals are pretty loose, to be polite. But when her best mate, Carrie, comes to her and says, I've been having an affair with my married ex-boyfriend and I don't know what to do, and she looks at Samantha and says, don't you want to judge me just a little? And the thing that I love about Samantha, this is why she's my favourite, is that she turned around and said, oh, honey, that is not my style. And so I wonder, have you ever thought about or have told someone something deeply personal, something that you're ashamed of, or perhaps something you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get, or just you might think that they're not going to understand where you're coming from. And if that's the case, if you've thought about that before, or you've actually done it and shared some of your life with you you've got, has it been kind of um, caring and loving, or has it been perhaps cold and left you kind of feeling a bit on your own and a bit rejected? So I'm going to say, let's hold those thoughts, because we're going to start looking at Philippians. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Philippians 3. We're going to be starting at um, verse 12. And you know, Philippians so far, I personally have found it incredibly challenging. And it's so challenging because Paul is speaking to this church in Philippi that he absolutely loves, and he is longing for them to live a whole life uh, for Jesus. So it is challenging. Um, but as David, if you were here last week, David was talking about the first bit in Philippians. And he talked about how the golden thread that runs throughout Philippians is that to live is Christ, to die is gain, which is a huge challenge in itself. And in the previous verses, before where we get to where we're going to start, Paul is saying that he wants to know Christ and his resurrection he wants to participate in his sufferings and become like him in his death, that he might somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. And today we're looking at Paul's example, which is a pretty um, incredible example of someone who followed Christ really well. But fortunately for us, starting in verse 12, he says this, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect. Praise God. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. 
I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so it's great, isn't it, that we can listen to Paul, this incredible example, and even he says, I am not there yet. He's not there. He's not perfect. And he does say, though, there is one thing I do. He needs to forget. We need to forget what is past and be straining towards what's ahead. And he's like, I'm not going to quit. That's where he's headed. And there are some of us here who are like, yes, Paul, I am with you. And I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep striving for that goal. I'm with you. And I'm not going to quit. But I recognize there are actually some of us here as well who are like, do you know what? I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not with Paul. I'm pretty stuck. I can't keep going forwards. We try, but we just keep getting stuck. And so how can we push forward, leaving the past behind when it's not really behind us? Our past isn't our past, it's our present. And Paul says this, let's live up to what we've already attained. So he's saying, all of us, everyone here, we've all made progress to a point. So let's keep going from that progress. Even if we're stuck, let's not slip backwards. We've all made progress. And he says, follow my example. Let's look around to those who are living like Paul, the people that are throwing off everything that hinders, those who are allowing their past to be their past and not dictate what comes in their future. But I want to ask the question, how does that really make you feel? to be around those people that are really going for it and they talk the talk and they walk the walk and they look like they've never done anything wrong in their life. Do you want to be around those people and be really encouraged by them? And, you know, iron sharpens iron and they're going to push you on uh, towards Jesus, heading towards that goal. Or do you feel like, actually, I don't want to be around those people because they make me feel worse. They make me feel cynical. And maybe they just make you feel plain angry. But Oscar Wilde famously said, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Now, most of you know that my husband is Andy and he's a vicar. And he went to vicar school, because that's what you do if you want to become a vicar. But what most of you don't know is that I got to go to vicar's wife school. Um, which isn't really a thing. And there were men there too who were spouses of vicars, but they didn't really want to hang out with us uh, very much. Um, So they did their own thing, and then we just kind of hung out as women. But each week there was like a Monday night thing that we could go to where 
um, you'd have like worship time and someone would come and speak to you about being a vicar's wife. Um, yeah. And uh, then there was a Thursday morning thing, which was more like a Bible study. And to be honest, I didn't really go to any of them um, because I had a new baby. She was my first baby and she never slept. So I wasn't really up for that. But I did show up one Thursday morning. Um, the ladies had been looking at uh, a book called The Celebration of Discipline, which I hear is a great book. I've still not read it. Um, but I know. Um, but there's some good stuff in it, I hear. Uh, things like praying and fasting and meditation and just learning those disciplines. And the one I happened to show up for um, was on confession was talking about the importance of confessing before God and confessing to one another. And I felt like I'd been kicked in the gut because I really felt God's conviction. That was that kick in the gut wasn't a vicar's wife. It was God. Um, and the issue for me was that for over a decade, I had been struggling with addiction to pornography and I had told no one and suddenly I'm in this room full of vicar's wives talking about confession. And I was kind of having this battle in my head with God, like, yeah, I, I know, God, it's something I need to sort out. Um, it's been going on too long. I've, I need to do something about this in the future. And then my friend Sheila said, and now we're going to break into groups and confess to one another. I mean, it, I mean, it, was, it was horrific. Um, I'm... A Christian, I'm a woman, and I was surrounded by vicar's wives. I didn't want to uh, share that with anyone in the room. But we broke into groups. I was with my friend Sheila, and uh, this other girl, Rebecca, who was the epitome of glamour. Um, and I thought, God, I can't tell her. Like, she's too perfect. I can't tell her what's going on. And Sheila led by example, and she went first, and she confessed uh, what was on her mind, and uh, we prayed for her. And then Rebecca confessed what was on her mind, and we prayed for her. And to be honest, I don't really remember much of what was going on around then. I, I'm pretty sure I prayed, um, but the fact was, in my mind, all I was saying was, God, I can't tell them about the porn. I can't do it. Like, please, like, there's got to be something else I can come up with to get me out of this. But the conviction was so strong that in my gut and in my, my heart was racing. And I thought, if I don't do this, I'm going to be sick on my shoes and it's not going to be pretty. So it came round to me and I stared at them and they're like, Rach, anything you want to confess? And I shut my eyes and I took in a deep breath and I said it, I've been addicted to pornography for over a decade, and I promptly burst into tears. But you know what? In that moment when I felt at my worst, and I thought, I felt like saying to them, don't you want to judge me just a little bit? With their words and their actions, they responded with an, oh honey, that is not my style. They hugged me, they prayed with me, and they cried with me as well. And you know, the issue of pornography for me, and you know, there are all sorts of things that stop us from following Jesus, so it's not just necessarily our sin. But that, for me, put a huge stoppage on moving forward with Christ. Because every, every time I attempted to do it on my own, I just fall backwards into my sin because it wasn't really my past, it was my present. 
I was bound by it, and I was enslaved to it. And you know, I could pray, I could be involved, I could help with Alpha. I just kept getting angrier and angrier, and I sunk lower and lower because I knew I should be free, and I wasn't. And you know, in our reading, Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi, and he says, For as I have often told you before, and I now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Because, you know, Jesus didn't come to give us some half-baked life. He came to give us life and life in all its fullness. And do you know what? We turn around and we say to him, do you know what, Jesus? Your cross is not big enough to deal with my sin. Your cross is not big enough to deal with my shame, my hurt, my pain, my situation. You can deal with everyone else's stuff, but mine is too big. We're so quick to believe the negative. Things that people say about us, but we have an enemy too that wants us to be crippled by our shame, by our fear, by the fear of rejection. Whatever it is, he wants us to stay crippled by it. And I would say don't believe the lies because nothing, absolutely nothing, is too big for the cross of Christ. And, you know, in order for us to see our situation, whatever it may be, for what it really is, we need to bring it into the light. I think when we kind of, when we keep it to ourselves, it gets bigger and bigger and it takes over. But when we tell someone, when we confess to God and to one another, we can see it for what it is. We can allow people to speak into it and Christ's light can shine on it. Now, after this kind of a time of confession with the vicar's wives. Um, it gave me the courage to speak to my best friend, uh, Lizzie. We were at vicar's wife school together. Um, and we'd been prayer buddies for like two years and I'd never, I'd never said this to her. And uh, it was just, it was such a breakthrough for me to have someone that I could pray with about what was going on in my life. But it was only a couple of months later that we kind of, we left vicar's school and we got dispersed across the country. I was in a new city on my own. I mean, Andy was there, but he was like busy working and I didn't know anyone. I was incredibly lonely. I was really low and I just sunk back into where I started. And for months, I did battle on my own, like trying to call out to God, like, what am I doing? I'm stuck in this again. And You know, I could show you my journal, but I won't. But there was a lot of, God, help me. What am I doing? I can't do this. But the thing was, I don't think I was prepared to actually do anything about it. And that was the issue. I I didn't want to take action. And I think partly it's like sin feels good at a point. That's why we do it. But gradually we realize how it's, it's kind of breaking us how it's binding us and how we, we're, we're stuck when we should be free. And so eventually, after eight or so months, I called my friend Lizzie and I said, this is what's going on and I need your help. I need to be accountable to you. And um, that's what we did. Um, we kind of, we, we speak every couple of weeks and um, 
we, well, when that first began, um, we kind of talked about it. I gave her permission to speak into my life, to ask me difficult questions. We put accountability software on all my devices. And this was like four years ago, and there's not been an issue since. But like I said, it's not just about confessing. We give someone permission to ask us the difficult questions to challenge us in order that we can move forward in our walk with Jesus. And just as a side note, don't let it be a spouse or a family member because that kind of uh, level of accountability really will just end in tears. I just think that one of the biggest things that stops us from sharing these big things in our lives with people is we're so afraid of being judged Like, oh, I'm not sure that person can handle what I've got to say or whatever it might be. And the thing is, we don't realize that in doing that, oh, they're going to judge me. We're really just judging them. We're following his example as he follows Jesus. And that if they're really like Paul, if they're really following Paul's example, if they're really emulating Jesus, then they, they, we recognize our own failings. And that's why when we think we're going to be judged, we get back and, oh, honey, that is not my style. And, you know, if the Pauls of the world do judge us, and and just a reminder that there is a huge difference between judgment and somebody challenging you because they love you and they long for you to be set free. If they're judging you, then they're not really following the example of Jesus or of Paul. And that is on them. Because all of us fall short, and it's only in recognizing that if it wasn't for Jesus, full of shame and heading for our own destruction, bound and enslaved. And I know that sounds harsh, but as Paul says, we are citizens of heaven What are we doing to live in a place where we're still bound and enslaved? We're citizens of heaven. That is where we're headed. And so I'd say to you, if you're a Paul, if you're um, aware of your own failings and you have been set free and you are striving towards that goal, then keep going and keep allowing God to work on your heart and your character, that he would soften you and change you continuously. Because as Paul said, I'm not perfect, I'm not there yet. And one day we will be when we meet our Saviour in heaven, but not just yet. And for those of us here who really feel stuck, unable to move forward, whatever your situation is, I would just encourage you, if you feel that conviction, just be brave. Have courage. It takes so much courage to be open with one another about whatever it is you've got going on. And so lastly, your past can be your past. It doesn't have to be your present.